Hello, everyone. Welcome to Markers Up. Uh, my name is Jack Johnston, and thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. Uh, the topic I wanted to cover this week was looking at the teams that are zero and two right now. Um, there's some teams that we probably expected to be around this point, and then there are teams we definitely did not expect to be at this point. Um, and so I thought it'd be interesting to sort of dig through each team, see why they're at this point, how they can kind of dig themselves out of this hole. Uh, Cause there's, there's a lot of things to be positive about with this season, but for the supporters of these um, six teams, uh, there's probably not a lot of optimism going around and I want to sort of provide that um, for you if you're a if you're a fan of one of these teams and you'll know if you're a fan of one of these teams you'll know if you're Owen too because it's probably all that's on your mind when it comes to football um, before I get started uh, if you want to follow markers up um, you can find us on all social media at markers up I'm pretty pretty vocal on Twitter um, put out a lot of thoughts and hot takes on that lovely uh, social media platform. Um, and obviously the JBSE, the Jake Botel Sports Experience, um, that's hosting this podcast. You can also find them on social media at the JBSE. So I'm going to start with the bottom of the ladder and move our way up. So just for those who are unaware, these are the teams um, that are zero and two right now. So you've got Hawthorne, you've got uh, the Western Bulldogs, you've got the Gold Coast Suns, the Adelaide Crows, the Geelong Cats, and the Fremantle Dockers. So like I said, a few teams there that we might have expected, and then there's a few surprises. I think Hawthorne didn't have super high expectations um, going into the season. Uh, Gold Coast and Adelaide are kind of question marks. We didn't really know where they would be. They were kind of, you could imagine a reality where they're really good and you're like, oh, they might make finals. And then you've got another reality where like, oh yeah, Skull Coast is Adelaide, they're still in a rebuild. And then you've got Geelong, Fremantle and West and um, the Western Bulldogs who all expected themselves to be top four teams. Geelong is the obvious one just coming off a premiership, but you know, Fremantle just won a final last year and the Bulldogs also made finals last year. But the, just the hype coming into the season with the additions they brought in, um, new coaches they brought in under Luke Beveridge, just some more time into the youngsters. And both key posts, forward and back, had sort of been solved. Just felt like everything was going right for the dogs. So, like I said, a bit of a spread of um, reasons for why all these teams are at 0-2. And, and quite a few surprises in that list. Uh, but we'll start with Hawthorne, who are at the bottom of the ladder right now. Um, they're 0-2 with a percentage of 42.1. Um, I would say that their, their their first performance against Essendon was a bit of a bit of an odd one because they were quite competitive for a large period of the game. They're only down a few goals at halftime. Um, you know, Newcomb was looking good. Um, Warple, like Sicily, had a great game. Like a lot of the the guys we expect for Hawthorne um, out of this really young group. And then Essendon just ran over top of them by the end, uh, which happened in another game in round two for Essendon, which we'll go to when we talk about the Suns. 
Um, but yeah, the Hawks were competitive for about half and then had no gas, ha- had no energy in that second half, just couldn't keep up with the Bombers' run. And then it came to, you know, last week against Sydney at the SCG. I mean, that's a that's a tough, tough ask. Um, and to a lesser extent, but still to some extent, a similar sort of story. Hawthorne were sort of, they, they, were, they were clearly outmatched by Sydney. They were clearly the worst team, but they were still in it to a degree. Like if they had kicked accurately, it would have been a somewhat competitive game, but they just kicked themselves. Um, they, they, they just, at every opportunity where you felt like Hawthorne could have put together a bit of momentum, either it was a skill error here, it was a dropped mark here. It was a missed goal there. And when you do that too often against, you know, a team that made the grand final last year, like Sydney, they won't let you do that for too long before they start to, you know, get into fifth gear and really put you away. And that's what Sydney did, you know, smashed them 118 to 37. There was a point there in the in the final quarter where it looked like it was going to be a hundred point victory for the Swans. And and if you if you read the news. Um, and you know all the, the 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 footy shows and the journalists like, and I guess this is just what they do because they love to bring about headlines. But it's quite a consistent theme of like how harshly they're judging Hawthorne, going so far as to, um, you know, bringing up allegations of tanking. Really was quite quite a bit of a surprise. I didn't watch the game live. I, I, I saw the result and. Um, and all of this uproar afterwards. And then I went back and watched the game and I was like, wow, I, they they were bad, Hawthorne. But it, it feels like it's a classic case of people missing context, either purposefully or they're, they're just um, failing to, to recognize it. I don't know. But what I do know is that, isn't this a rebuild? <laughs> like... You've got a rebuilding what you've got possibly, I think they are the youngest team in the league. One of the youngest teams we've ever seen, like field a team, like incredibly young. They cut really deep with this rebuild, which I I think is a really good long-term strategy, but the, the, the um, cost for that is that in the short term, you can be really uncompetitive because of how much youth you have. So it's like, we knew this going into the season. We knew it. They'd cut really deep, had a lot of youth. They've got a, you know, coach in his second year, got rid of guys like Gunston and Mitchell, like these really experienced guys that probably would have kept Hawthorne in a lot of games. And they're going on the road to play Sydney, the grand finalists. Did you really expect it to be a competitive game? The fact that they were in it for any period of time is kind of a miracle. Just odd, it was just odd to me that, like, I get it. It was a pretty bad performance, and Sydney just had their way with Hawthorne. Um, and I wouldn't disagree with the description of it being embarrassing. Like, you're a professional football club, and you got smashed by 81 points. Um, you're going to keep four goals for the game. But, but this idea that Hawthorne don't want to be competitive, that they're tanking, that they're, they're losing games on purpose, it's crazy, especially when, like, you watch the game and they did some things right. 
They actually beat the Swans in clearances, 35 to 28. Smashed them out of the center, 15 to 8. Like, they actually did a somewhat okay job of not letting this be a 150-point loss. And I know that that's such a low bar. But with the context, again, that this is the youngest team in the league, one of the youngest teams we've ever seen play in a football game, we know they're in the, the, at the start of their rebuild. They're at step one, facing last year's grand finalist on the road with key injuries, by the way. I forget what his name is. Um, they've got a forward who I really rate. It's not Dylan Moore, because he played, and he played really well. Um, what's he? Uh, I forget. Maybe it's Mitch something. Anyway, they've got a forward who's injured at the moment. Um, so I, I know that they've got injury issues as well. It, 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 yeah, just to kind of wrap that up, just felt odd to me that we all know that Hawthorne is, is at the start of a rebuild. They're going to be bad. It's like we all knew this, and then they play bad, and then everyone's like, what? What's going on? The integrity of the league is at stake. <laughs> it's just, it's kind of hilarious to me. Um, now, next week, they play North Melbourne, who right now are undefeated, right? Um, they look really, really improved. Um, if you listen to my first episode of Markers Up, um, I went through the bottom four teams from last season, and I put forward a really good case for North Melbourne and why they might be a really good team and make finals. I'm not saying that they will, but hey, it's a good start for that. Um, not necessarily a prediction, um, because like I said, I picked four teams that would have jumped from the bottom four, but I guess they were one of them, North. Um, they've looked really good so far, but still they're, they're a, I guess they're not a young team. I think that they're actually surprisingly older than people expect. I think they were older than the Fremantle team that they just played last week. Um, but I guess they're young in terms of they've got a lot of young players. They've got a lot of older experienced players that kinds of balance balances it out, but they've got a lot of youth still in that team. Um, obviously new coach, new system. Hawthorne has a good opportunity to not necessarily win. I wouldn't tip them to win. And that wouldn't even be a pass mark for me, but this is a really good opportunity for them to be competitive and go, all right, last week was horrendous, but we know we can be better. Uh, we have the talent here. North Melbourne are potentially uh, high on their own supply in that they're feeling really good about themselves, as they should be, right? It's not a criticism. But sometimes it's when you can, when a team is vulnerable, when they think that they're really good, even if they are. Just that um, mindset can sometimes put themselves in a, in a false sense of security. So Hawthorne would really fancy themselves against North. Um, you know, it's in Tassie. So it's a place that the Hawks are very familiar with. Um, and they've still got, even in that loss, right? Even in that loss against the Swans, they had some really good performance performers. So like I mentioned, Dylan Moore, my God, really liked his presence up forward. Um, he had 23 disposals, kicked one goal, one. Um, but he was the highest ranking player. Uh, for Hawthorne in terms of ranking points. Just really liked his presence um, for a team that was really lacking skill and and touch. Uh, Moore seemed to really have that, um, which I thought was really impressive. Newcomb is still, you know, he's going to be one of the best midfielders 
in the next couple of years, I think even. I think even in, you know, two years, he'll be in that sort of top five. I really do. Just as his contested work um, is really quite impressive. Will Day, another um, good midfielder for them. Sisley's just that, like, he's probably, and if you're a Hawks fan and you disagree, let me know, but Sisley feels like, to me, the last remaining, like, great Hawthorne player. You know what I mean? Like, they, they got rid of Gunston. They got rid of Mitchell. Um, Sisley now is probably their best player in terms of proven record. They've, we've got guys, like I mentioned, like Newcomb. Um, and uh, they've got, like, Jath. I really rate. Um, but Sisley, to me, strikes me as the guy that's like, we know he's really good. He's not like a rising star like Jath is. He, he, he has solidified himself as a great player. Um, and so he had a great performance. I think they just need to stick fat with this plan. And I know, I think Sam Mitchell is going to do that. That seems to be his uh, philosophy with this team. And I, I would agree. Like, you just got to stick with it. This is the plan. You just play the youngsters. You, you, you cop these really heavy losses. But then, but you keep going. You keep being competitive. You keep training. Keep getting better. Keep trying to get better each and every game, and then you'll pull out a few wins. You will. Even North Melbourne, who were horrendous last season, had wins. They won football games. West Coast, who basically had were going into their thirds. <laughs> They're going into the reserves of the reserves to get players, and they still got wins. So, so Hawthorne will win games, and I think they'll win more than a lot of people right now expect them to because they're just going to persist, and at some point it will click. Even if it's round 23, it will click for them because they've got a lot of rising talent there. Um, and, I, and I rate Sam Mitchell as a coach. Seems like their culture there, you know, separate to all this other stuff from Hawthorne's past, it seems like right now that 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 club culture with the players and the coaches and the trainers and all that from, from all that I've heard and all that I've seen, they've seemed to have something there. And I think that's a good foundation for them to, to really spring forward. So... It's one of those things where I'm like, I'm not that concerned with Hawthorne. People that are accusing them of tanking, it's frankly, it's it's ridiculous, I think. Um, not only does it not make sense in the AFL for a bunch of different reasons, it's just not happening. Um, so so Hawthorne, you know, they're, they're, they're 0-2, but I, I don't expect them to win this week. But we just have to have, we just have to have a different expectation for them. This isn't like, they're not in the middle of their rebuild looking for a step up. You know, they're not like uh, an Adelaide would be an example. They've been in a rebuild for a few years and each year we're like, is this going to be the jump? No, okay, they're still in their rebuild. All right, what about this year? Is this the jump? Where maybe it would be right to not not accuse a team of tanking, but it would be right to be this harsh and critical of a team for getting smashed by 80 points. Because you'd be like, okay, well, when, when are we going to see the improvement? Hawthorne, this is the year, this first year of their rebuild. In my eyes, they could lose by 81 points for every single game of this season, and I wouldn't care. Like, I wouldn't be worried about Hawthorne. Next season, you go in with some new expectations. Like, hey, let's win some games now. Let's, let's go up the ladder a bit more. Right now, just let them do what they need to do. And they've got some good players there, like I mentioned. They just got to lean into that, and I think that they will. Uh, so next up, 
sadly, <laughs> sadly, at 17th on the ladder is the Western Bulldogs, 0-2 with a percentage of 51.2. Now, I, I, I've, I'm a Bulldogs fan, if you're not already aware, and I've seen up close and personal <laughs> the, the, the Bulldogs' uh, issues. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest and say round one, was annoying in that with all the hype going into the season, I actually thought we had a real good shot at beating Melbourne, but this game was really just a, a reminder. And I'm not ashamed to say it. Like I'm really, there would be some Bulldog supporters who would um, might see this as a form of like, I don't know, weakness, but I'm just being honest and understanding how good Melbourne are. They own us right now. And it's up to us to take back ownership until we do. I will say Melbourne own us. They are a really bad matchup for us every time. Now, I know we beat them last season, um, and we've beaten them times before, but they've beaten us more than we've beaten them, and they beat us in a very specific way every time they beat us. Um, so they, they they just have a matchup that if they can click into, and if they're in the right gear, they beat us. It's just how it, it's just how it goes. So in, even though at the time I was a bit frustrated, I was like, oh, man, I really thought we had a good shot there. And, you know, we were all... I think we were up by three goals at, at one stage in the second quarter. So we were competitive for a period of that game. Um, but then Melbourne just do their thing and um, ran over top of us. So while at the time I was frustrated, I looked back on it and went, Melbourne are just a really, really good team. And they just happen to match up really well against our system and our players. And I'll, I'll be honest, it's probably also an element of um, mentality there. Like when they go on a run of goals, in the last two minutes of a quarter, it, it can't help but remind you of the grand final where they did that and, and smashed us in the third and fourth quarter. Like that, that, that is an element. Now, like I said, there are times when we've been able to overcome that, like, you know, Jamara's five goal game last year, or even in 2021, we beat them at the MCG. Like doesn't mean that they will always beat us, but when they do, it's not really a surprise. And it always looks the same. It's like, ah, this is just what they do against us. Last week was the real one where it, the issues that I thought may have been a ah this is Melbourne just exploiting us like they always do. The issues became clear of like ah no we're actually in real deep trouble, real deep trouble. For the record, I am not, and probably won't be this season. Until the end of the season, I might change my mind. But until the end of the season, I will not be on the sack Bevo train. I, no one can convince me otherwise. I I, I might um, adjust that slightly. If we haven't won a game by July, I'll be on the sack Bevo train. If we get to mid-season and we're winless, fair enough. But if up until that point, I, I I'm I'm not on on the sack Bevo train because I'm not on the sack anyone train in this situation. So just want to make that clear that that's sort of the the foundation from which I will criticize the Bulldogs is that stick with the game plan. This is not the end of the season. You, the, the players and the system has been set up and they've been training in the system. You can tweak the system, but you can't do an overhaul with a whole new coach and a whole new system and expect long-term results. You may see a win or two like we see with caretaker coaches, but we're not going to make finals. You're way more likely to make finals just sticking with this and trying your best to tweak and just get better 
with what the players have trained with all off-season and all preseason, that's far more likely than bringing in a, in a, a new guy that the players don't support, that it creates turmoil and frustration. Like, it's just a mess. So that's where I'm at in terms of the jumping off point for where I'll now criticize the dogs and what they've been like. Seems like fitness is a real issue. And I listened to Luke Beveridge's press conference today. And he was asked a lot, a lot of questions and credit to him. He, he was real strong in his convictions and was and balanced well, honesty and vulnerability, but also strength in going, yeah, we know I will acknowledge these are the issues, but we are going to do our best. Like he, what didn't give in and, and, and give up in a sense. Um, but he was asked about the fitness and he said, no, fitness is not an issue. I would, I, I, I maybe agree with where he's coming from in that, like every team, they train as hard as they can. I don't think any team looks back at their preseason and goes, you know what? We didn't really train as hard as we could because that's just not what professionals do. They're professionals for a reason. So I get with the sentiment, but the result I feel like he's kind of off in my estimation is that our fitness preparation may have been completely earnest and looked like it was working. But right now, it's not to the level that every other team is. So we could have had a great preseason, but it just hasn't been as good as Melbourne and St. Kilda's and probably most teams in the league right now. And it's the tough thing about off-seasons and pre-seasons is that every team thinks that they're the best. Every team. I mean every team. From 1 through 18 in the preseason. They kind of whisper to themselves and talk to their players and go, you know what? I'm kind of bullish about us this year. I reckon we've looked really good. We're running real hard. We're, we're putting in a real good effort. We've got a new system or like we've got some new tactics we're putting in place. Got a new assistant coach. I've really loved him coming in and changing things up. Got some new guys we've brought in. He's had trade acquisitions, like whatever it is. Every team in every sport, by the way, but talking about the AFL in particular, Every team's like, we're going to be great this year. We're going, to, we're going to make the finals. Or, you know, for some teams have even loftier expectations. We're going to win the flag. Every team is bullish about their own chances. Because you, all you have to compare yourself against is yourself. There's no real, and to pinpoint again on the dogs, you can look at your fitness program and go, you know what, guys, that you're beating your PBs, like your, your, your personal bests and, you're putting in this percentage more effort than last season and we're seeing an increase in this over here. And and you can all be like, that's great. But it doesn't mean anything if the 16 teams above you have done slightly better than you, even if your preparation was great. It's useless if everyone else has been just slightly better than you because the margins are so small in the AFL. And if, if, if only, you know, it, it's a bit tough to quantify because fitness is such a vague term, but just for the sake of argument, like if, if the Bulldogs pushed just 1% harder in the preseason with their fitness, then maybe just as an example, this isn't even from the game, but just as a, as a theoretical, maybe Bailey Dale pushes that extra bit further to execute a tackle on Jack Steele against the Saints, where in reality he might have not quite had 
the juice to go that extra step and execute and it kind of slipped through his hands. If only he went that 1% more, then he might've grabbed him and pulled him to ground, which, you know, affects momentum, affects confidence, like, and affects maybe a scoring shot, whatever it is, which, you know, compounds. So the, the margins are so small, but with the fitness, it's like, I don't really blame anyone in the sense that, like I said, every team thinks, and they're being absolutely honest with themselves that they have put together a great preseason. It's not a fake, like, well, we're going to say we put in a great preseason to make our supporters feel happy, but we're really quite worried. I mean, there might be some situations, maybe a team like Hawthorne of like, maybe within their own context, they've had a great preseason, but they would acknowledge that our guys just aren't as good as the rest. But with a list like the Dogs and most teams that have really good lists would go, no, we actually think we've had a really great preseason. Everyone's developed really well. Our fitness is top-notch, match conditioning, it's all there. But you won't know until you're able to measure it against real teams. And, you know, we measure it against Melbourne and you're like, man, didn't have it there. All right, play the Saints. Ah, really didn't have it there. So you play Brisbane this week, which almost couldn't, you couldn't have a tougher matchup in a way. Maybe if it was at the Gabba, it would be tougher. Thankfully, it's at home at Marvel. It's third time lucky. Third time lucky for all of these teams, but really for the dogs, is it is it third time lucky? Is it all right? Came out real weak against Melbourne. All right, well, we'll bounce back. Wow, really came out badly against the Saints. Is this now where you go, okay, boys? Let, let, let Before this goes out of control, let's really step it up here. Because all of a sudden, if you beat Brisbane, and this is the case for a lot of these teams, but just while we're on the dogs, if they beat Brisbane, they're one and two. You know who else is one and two in that reality? Brisbane. A team that, you know, had a really disappointing game against Port Adelaide, but smashed Melbourne before the, the power outage that kind of brought Melbourne back into it. But before then was smashing Melbourne. And now everyone's like, no one's worried about Brisbane. They're like, ah, they had a bit of a poor patch there, but they're back on track. All of a sudden, if they lose to the Dogs, they're one and two. There's a lot of teams that might be one and two. Um, you know, Melbourne. Melbourne lose to Sydney this week. They'll be one of them that a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, people, I'm saying general, a lot of people have as like premiership favorites. So in terms of just confidence and momentum for the dogs, just get a win here. Third time lucky, third time's a charm, beat Brisbane. And even though you're still one and two, you've still, you know, got, you're under 500. You can at least go, all right, but we're in the pack now. We're in the pack. We're in the pack of the teams that are competing. And like I said, that pack may include great teams such as Brisbane and Melbourne or, you know, Richmond, like the, these, these teams that could be in that pack and really legitimately competing for top four. Um, and then on the flip side, if you lose, you're in totally different territory. It's not season over. It's really not, right? I don't think you can you can decide whether or not a team's season's over until probably week eight. Once you've had two months of football, you probably can have a good idea. If you're one and seven, probably not making finals. You can pretty confidently put a, a line through that team. Not necessarily because of statistics and history, just in terms of, 
how much work you have to make up. That's a lot of work to make up. So I wouldn't say the dog season would be over at zero and three, but you're just in a, you're in a different category for a team that had top four aspirations. You can probably put a line through top four. I would confidently say top four is not happening this year, which would be really disappointing, but at least you can fight for those bottom four of the eight spots. It's not what you were aspiring for. It's not what you are capable of, but hey, it's better than missing finals. At least you still have a shot at finals. But the dogs don't want to be in that conversation because you know what? The dogs have been in that conversation pretty much the whole beverage era. They've been in that conversation. Okay, they're not top four, but they might sneak into finals. And, you know, to their credit, they won a premiership and then were a quarter away from winning a premiership in 2021. So they've been to two grand finals in that kind of system of making the finals. But the dogs had real aspirations to go top four and not impossible, but real difficult. In fact, I would say in a football sense, almost impossible from zero and three. And then again, one and two, you, 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 you're kind of back on track. You just give yourself a little bit of breathing space. Um, so just to quickly wrap up on the dogs, like I talked a lot about fitness, but I think the fitness impacts skills. So the biggest issue a lot of people have been talking about the fitness and even structure, like a lot of issues the dogs have had. I think a lot of it is skills, which is connected to fitness in that, you know, if you're not fit, you get fatigued. And when you get fatigued, you don't execute skills. But to me, that's been the biggest issue. We're just not hitting targets. Just not hitting targets. There'll be a guy wide open and you just over kick him by like a mile. Or, you know, a quick handball game that's been so effective under beverage, all of a sudden we're just missing guys in the link. Like you can just see, oh, if this was the dogs of 2021, the dogs of 2016, they get out of this congestion. It's guy there, guy there, boom, handball game. But particularly against the Saints, against Melbourne as well, but really against the Saints, there just was no connection there. Just missing guys with the handball, missing guys with the kicks, missing the goals. I don't mean this to like put down any players, but I'm just being honest. Aaron Norton will never be remembered as a great forward if he doesn't fix his goal kicking. He has aspirations and he has the potential to be one of the greatest forwards of the 21st century. I'm not joking because of his athleticism and his marking ability is some of the best I've ever seen. His contested marking. It's great. I don't think anyone would deny that. But he just misses goals that you just have to kick. You just have to. All the time, he kicked two goals, two against the Saints. Kicked one goal, two against Melbourne. Um, I don't have his stats up from last season, but I swear he kicked like 51 goals, which was impressive, but like 40 behinds. Like he really had a... I mean, he's always, to be honest, he has always had this issue, possibly because he used to be a defender. I don't know. But that's just one example of guys that aren't kicking accurately in front of goal. Jamara, like, I'm again, I'm not putting anyone down, just accurately describing our issues right now. Jamara just missing easy goals. No matter what your contest work is like or your fitness or whatever, if you kick five goals 11, you're not winning a football game. 
flip that flip that around and kick 11 goals five and all of a sudden you're in and maybe kick a few more goals because you're staying competitive but if if all your momentum results in behinds it cannot last that's what makes melbourne against us so effective is that with that momentum every time they get momentum boom goal center bounce goal 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 and all of a sudden they're up by 30 points you're like how did this happen with the dogs of late, like in the last few years, but particularly in these two games, we would actually get our momentum back. We'd actually get back in the game. And we'd kick a few goals, but we'd miss just as many. And I think that's just, that's really the issue. Fitness is going to be a long-term fix. And you can't, if that is a real issue, the fitness, you cannot fix that against, against Brisbane. That has to be something you adjust and fine-tune over the course of this season and hopefully get to a point that once you get to finals, you feel like you're in tip-top shape. But skills, that's, and thankfully, because it's the biggest issue, this is why I feel somewhat bullish about our chances against Brisbane, that's in their control. These aren't pressure mistakes. These are like wide open, just mental mistakes. So if they just clean that up, I think they'd give themselves a real good shot against Brisbane um, and just get back to who they are because the list is there. The talent is there. And in my opinion, I think the coach is there too. I think he's a really talented coach. I think he he, he knows the players. He knows how to utilize them. So it's just a mental thing. I think it's really in their heads, which is what makes one and two really comforting for a team like the Dogs. Okay. <sighs> Bit of breathing space. Let's get back on track. Get our season on track. All of a sudden, you get to week six at three and three. With that tough schedule, I think most dogs fans would be happy. And then you're at five hundred, and you go ahead and you you attack the rest of the season. But if your issues are all mental, and all of a sudden you're zero three, you Aaron Norton lining up for goal, and that missed one here. Hope this isn't an issue. He gets another mark. Zero goals too. Uh oh. Like it, it'll all build, and then what, if it culminates in zero and three, I would love to believe that they could get out of that hole, but I don't know if they'll be able to. Love to be proved wrong, but I think I think on th- on three just really changes the context of what we should expect of the dogs. Um, and you can kind of kiss top four goodbye. Um, that's enough dogs talk. Let's get away from Footscray. Let's move to the Suns. So the Suns, sixteenth on the ladder. Zero and two with a percentage of 64.7. So the Suns are kind of a step below the dogs. Where the dogs were a, you know, uh, you know, fifth to eighth place team looking to jump into top four. Gold Coast have been a ninth to twelfth place team looking to finally jump to finals. So uh, even though they they don't have as lofty expectations, the ex- the the jump the expectation of a jump is the same. Um, you know, they, they put together a really good year by their own standards. I think their best year technically in terms of wins and percentage. Um, so I think a lot of people were like, okay, Ben King's back, back from injury. They didn't have him last season. They're possibly their best player. Shui Jews re-signed, like a bit of momentum, let's go. And then smashed by the Swans just smashed um 
they just didn't look anywhere near competitive, the Suns. And as I talked about a little bit before, like the Swans are really good. <laughs> they made a grand final and they looked like they have no sort of um, scars from the mauling from the grand final. But, you know, like a lot of teams, round one, you're like, all right, not, we, not how we want it to start, but you can you can call it a mulligan, right? And then they play Essendon, who last year were not good. They had won a game at this point, but, you know, it was against the Hawks. So you're like, are they that good? And to the Suns' credit, they were really competitive. This is a real up-and-down competitive game. Gold Coast, in fact, I would say for most of this game, looked the better team. They looked like they had, they were wrestling more of the momentum um, and they, they, they seemed to be a far better clearance team. Kind of bears itself out in the stats, but I think just the way that they looked, they were able to 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 get the ball out where, where Essendon didn't really have the same strength up in the guts. But they just couldn't keep with them. Essendon had this willingness to just keep pushing and go, no, we're not giving up. We're not going away here, Gold Coast. You're going to have to fight us tooth and nail to the final siren. And Gold Coast said, I don't worry about we're just going to give up here. <laughs> They're like, don't worry about it. Um, disappointing because I really wanted the Suns to be good. I think I picked them for my top eight. Don't know how that's looking right now. But I tipped them for top eight because like they're going to make the jump, surely. They had a great offense. They had a great forward line without Ben King. Surely you add Ben King in and you're going to be better. But you're 0-2 and it's frustrating. But we're here to be positive. We're here to kind of look at how they can get out of this hole, the Suns, and, and, and rescue their season. So what they'll be happy with, in my opinion is their midfield. I think the midfield's really good. I think, obviously, Tug Miller is their star, but I really like Noah Anderson and Matt Rowell, obviously coming out of the same draft year, I'm pretty sure. Um, but I, I, I like I like Wits connecting with those midfielders. Like I said, they're up in the clearances. They just need to kind of improve their contest games a little bit more, I think, to to, to, to step up. Don't know why their, their forward line isn't connecting, because... I really rate, obviously, Ben King. Um, but Casbolt's a really good two. It's a really good two. Um, I don't know enough about the Suns to know why Marbiol Chol isn't playing, because he was great last season. I don't know if it's an injury or a form thing. Um, I think the worry for the Suns is, like, that you, you look at their list and their plays, and you're like, it's a bit patchy. It's a bit patchy. Like their forward line, oh, Ben King, great. Casbolt, had a great season last year. And you're like, okay, else you got Nick Holman. Um, Elijah Hollins, yeah, he's, he's, he's all right. Malcolm Roses, uh, Ainsworth, yeah, he's good, he's good. And you look at their midfield, Tug Miller, Matt Rowell, Noah Anderson. It's like David Swallow, I guess he's good. Yeah, he's fine. The coaches, you could kick, but is he that like dangerous? Backline, Sam Collins. Man, one of the best young defenders in the league. It's like Charlie Constable. Played in the VFL for the John Cats. Like Lucky Weller, is he that good? Um 
I don't know. I don't, I'll just be honest and say, I don't watch a lot of the Suns and I'm not like totally invested in their preseason. So maybe these guys are, uh, have shown better, just haven't done so in these games. But I think that'd be the worry for the Suns is that they're going to have to overcome it. Now, you don't have to have a 100% great list to compete. You don't. If you have a good system and a good coach and good connection, um, you can do that. I, I think Collingwood was that last year where I th- they probably have a better list than the Suns, but it was a similar thing in that like they had some stars and then there probably was a bit of a drop-off of guys we didn't really know much about. Like John Noble, is he that great? Turns out he is. But we didn't think of him as that great. And I wonder if the Suns, um, that's obviously no, um, not discrediting John Noble because like I said, he is great. But I'm saying players like him last year probably would have been in that lower tier. And I think they had a lot of those players. And then with a good system and a good coach and a good game plan, all of a sudden those guys really jump up and they're like, actually, you know, we're all great just because we work together. You want the Suns to be the same. You want guys like Lukosius to be like, no, nah, I'm not just, I'm not B tier. I'm A tier. I'm going to be a really damaging wingman, you know, like halfback wingman. Um, I think, I think the good thing for the Suns is that they, the Swans game, they weren't competitive, but they were really competitive in the Essendon game. And Essendon, Essendon seemed to be really good this year. So I think they just need to keep pushing. Whether or not that gets them to finals, I don't know because there's so many teams fighting for that spot. So many teams fighting for like the last few final spots. But I think they have it in them. I This is what I will say. Ben King has to be their best player. Can't kick two goals, King. I know you're coming off a big injury, but I feel like for Gold Coast to just step up and be like, no, nah, we're here and we're going to dominate. Is Ben King has to be... It's a high bar, but he has to be like a Charlie Kerno. Has to be a guy that just is ultra-reliable and kicks bags day in, day out. Um, if, if if King can't do that consistently, then sadly, they probably will stay around the same spot. But I have faith in Ben King that he's just warming up, you know, hasn't played football for a while, but he'll warm into it and he will become the player that we all think that he could be. Uh, let's move on to the Adelaide Crows. So Adelaide were a team that I really didn't rate coming into this season. I, I thought that they'd be very close to the wooden spoon. I was just like, I don't really see it on their list. I don't know if they've made enough improvements. Um, you know, Isaac Rankin is a really good addition, but besides that, I just like, I don't know if it's there. And then in round one, they play the Giants and... Honestly, should have beat them. Should have beat them. They were they were up by like five goals at half time, and they'd kicked twelve behinds. So really, should have smashed them. But they just couldn't put the Giants away, and the Giants crept back, crept back, and couldn't stop them. They, after half time, Giants had kicked eleven goals eight. Adelaide had kicked four goals, four. Four goals, six, actually. So it was one of those games where Adelaide felt like the better team and just couldn't put them away. 
and the Giants came back and, and stormed back really and, and beat them. And then against Richmond, it was kind of the opposite. Didn't show up for most of the game. And then Richmond couldn't quite put them away and they just pegged their way back, pegged their way back. And then I think tied the game up in the fourth quarter, but just that, that, that was it. That's all they had left in them. Um, and, and Richmond ended up kicking like, um, you know, another three or four goals in the final quarter and, and put them away and made the scoreline more favorable for Richmond, but it's sort of the, the opposite for, for Adelaide in round two. So for Adelaide, they would hope that they can get the, the start of round one and get the end of, uh, round two and put it together and have a complete performance. Uh, I don't really know what their goals are, Adelaide. I, don't, I, I guess they see themselves as a top eight team. I don't know if they've done enough. I'll say, you know, Darcy Fogarty looks like a real, real player. Looks like a real player. And you feel like, you know, if Fogarty and Walker and Philthorpe could be like the three-pronged forward line, that seems potentially really dangerous. They just haven't quite put it together. Um, Rochelle looks like a re- again looks like a real player. Really liked his performance. You know, nineteen disposals, two goals, one behind. Rankins yet to blow it up. Had the potential to do it last week um, when they played the Giants, but kicked five behinds. Um, but for the amount of money they're paying him and the sort of expectations you have around Rankin, he almost has to be their most dangerous forward if they had these aspirations for top eight. Um, Philthorpe just needs more games. I just haven't seen a lot of him, but of what I have seen, he seems to be really good. Uh, I, I just I just worry a little bit about the the drop off. So like Rory Laird has thirty nine disposals, It's just absolutely insane. Then the next play is Dawson at twenty seven disposals, as is uh, Lockie Scholl with twenty seven. Then it's like Keys at 21, Smith with 20, Rochelle with 19. I just worry that it's a Rory Laird or bust midfield. Um, now that, you know, Rory Sloan's not really in that form anymore in his career, it, it really does feel like Laird or bust. Um, and when their forward line's not able to execute and, and kick big bags, you know, Taylor Walker's seemed real patchy. Um, Fogarty's been good, but can't do it on his own. Phil Thorpe's not given enough opportunity. Uh, and then their back line, like they, they've given up uh, 100 points in both games. So that's a little bit of a concern. So I think for Adelaide, if they want to get on the board and get a win here, um, and obviously this week, uh, the Adelaide Crows play Port. So it's the showdown. That'll be fascinating. But if they, if they want to beat Port, especially with Port Adelaide's midfield, yeah, more of that midfield has to step up. It can't be Rory Laird or Bust. Got to be better at the contest. Got to be be more skillful with your ball use. Just be just and share it around a bit more. Just let other guys have an influence. I want to see their captain Jordan Dawson. I want to see him really have an impact as that sort of um, uh, attacking defender. I want to see a guy like Keys have a really good performance. Kick two behinds. Like, you've got to have more of an impact there. Rochelle, great game. Get more of the ball. 
kick two goals, it's great, but gotta have more. You can't have sub twenty disposals if you're like the next best midfielder. I'll say it like Sloan. I know he's getting on in age and he's kind of changing of the guard, but as a veteran, gotta get in there. I, I just feel like they're they're not quite as hungry as the teams that they've they've played. Um, but if they can just share the ball around a bit more and become a bit more of a balanced midfield, and if their forward line can really start to unleash, like if they they kick ten goals sixteen, if they're sixteen goals ten, all of a sudden they probably beat Richmond. Same goes for last week. Uh, sorry, like the week before against the Giants, the twelve goals eighteen. They're 18 goals, 12. Again, it's a very different, very different result. So for me, I feel like just a bit more of a balanced midfield game. And if their forwards can hit the scoreboard and kick goals, not behinds, I think that they can really put something together. Um, Question is, can they do that? Uh, Move on to Geelong. So, you know, Geelong won the premiership last year. Best team of the year. One of the most dominant grand final performances I've ever seen. And then arguably they come into this season as the most improved team with the guys that they brought in, the guys that stayed obviously Selwood's the big loss, but you bring in guys like, um, you know, Tanner Bruin um, and uh, who's the Gold Coast player. Like I, they just bring in some really talented players. So they obviously, you know, like I said, they lose Selwood, which is massive, right? It's massive. But at the same time, you, you would hope that with the addition of Bruin and um and Bose, that 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 gap would be uh, slightly filled, not all the way, but just a bit, like not quite as harsh. And then you still got like Hawkins and Cameron and Stengel up forward and Gary Rowan, like you've got DeConning and Tom Stewart, like the backline. Paddy Dangerfield and Atkins, Blitzarves, like the team just looked set. And then they seem to be a real uh, injuries have hit them possibly harder than any other team. When you're arguably your two best defenders are out, like Stewart, but also Jack Henry. Maybe DeConning's better than Henry, I don't know. But two of their top three defenders <laughs> injured. I think is massive. Obviously, the loss of Selwood is massive um, to, to retirement. Hawkins seems a little hampered, seems a little underdone, hasn't had a huge impact. Jeremy Cameron seems to really be um, just carrying that offense. So it had a disappointing um, game against Collingwood in that disappointing in that it felt like they were in it the whole way. Every time Collingwood made a push, Geelong pushed back even more, and yet so to give it up in the end and and you know have a have a goalless final quarter and let Collingwood run over top of you, I think that's what's really disappointing. Of like Geelong really had that game, um, and they just didn't have they didn't have another gear. Collingwood in that final quarter said, or really you know the end of that third quarter said, we're going to go into our sixth gear. We found a sixth gear here. Do you have that, Geelong? Delong said, nah, we can only keep going with our fifth and that's not quite working. I have to step down to fourth and they just kind of slowly dropped off, whereas Collingwood just kept going 
faster and faster and they couldn't keep up. Like all these teams, you're like, all right, put in a good effort, didn't go our way. On to next week. And then the Carlton game. So the Carlton game felt like, really felt like Carlton were far better, in, in, in my opinion. I think, I think Geelong had periods where they looked really good, but Carlton in the end, to get away with an eight-point win, probably, probably flatters Geelong a little bit. I, I think Carlton played far better in the contest and um, just looked a little more aggressive. Um, and at the same time, also both teams had skill issues, but overall I feel like Carlton were able to execute far better than Geelong. Um, you, you feel like if it wasn't for Jeremy Cameron and his possibly the best game I've seen live from a player. Six goals, 25 disposals, 22 of which are kicks, like... 68% disposal efficiency. I think it's probably the best game I've seen from one player life. It's right up there. Um, so if it wasn't for him, you just you just wonder if Geelong even stay in it. So now they play the Suns, who we've just talked about, who will be trying to stop themselves from going 0-3 as well. They're in an odd spot because they've still got so much talent. They've got one of the... I'll say it. This might be controversial, but I'll say it. They've got the best coach of the modern era. Sorry, Clarko. But I think they've got Chris Scott, who's the best coach of the modern era. They've got one of the best lists in the competition. I know they've got injuries, but even with that, shows how good their list is that I think that they've got... Just look at the, the team that lined up against Carlton. A forward line of Hawkins, Cameron... Stengel, Rowan, Close, and Myers. On paper, that's probably the best forward line in the comp. On paper, right? A midfield of Guthrie, Dangerfield, Bowes, Holmes, and Blitzarves. That's high level. Like, you've got guys like Guthrie and Dangerfield, the real kind of veterans. Got some young stars in Bowes and Holmes. Um, and obviously, Atkins is on, is on the bench. Um, Bruin they brought in. Mark O'Connor kind of, I think, kind of plays on the wing. And obviously, Blitzarves, he plays anywhere. Then look at the back line. Isaac Smith, Radagalia, Zach Guthrie, Jed Buse, Zach Tui, and Sam DeConning. Like, man. Add in Ollie Henry to that. And then Reece Stanley as the, as the ruck. Like, that lineup. So talented. So I think for, for Geelong, they've just got to push through this period without Stewart and without Henry with these injuries they've got, just push through, just get a win against um, against the Gold Coast and just stay thereabouts until you get all your troops back. And then I think they're going to unleash. But the worry for Geelong is that they've got to stay competitive until that point. They've got to get, they've got to bank some wins because if they're, you know, theoretically two and four by week six, it's real tough to make a charge from there. Um, I, I, for, for Geelong, of all these teams, they're probably the most likely to play finals if they go 0-3. Of all the teams that I'm, I've talked about, and I'll talk about Fremantle next, or you know, last I should say, um, of all these teams, Philip Geelong is the most likely to make finals if they go 0-3. But it becomes real tough. Um, and like I said, they're playing Gold Coast, who they themselves don't want to go 0-3. So there's a lot of stakes in that game. Um, in fact... 
I'll say this. For the first time this year, a good Sunday spread of games. Because you start with Gold Coast versus Geelong. High stakes, both 0-2. One's going to be 0-3. Then Melbourne and Sydney at the MCG. And then Fremantle and West Coast. Got the Derby, which normally is a bit of a snooze fest, but you know, Fremantle don't want to be 0-3. West Coast want to put together a somewhat good season. They can go 2-1. Um, good good Sunday slate. Um, but yeah, just to wrap up Geelong, I, I don't know what... I don't think they have to do much. There's not much there that has to change. All of these teams, like the Dogs and the Suns and the Crows and Hawthorne, and as I'll get to um, lastly with Fremantle, all these teams have like issues. Like real flaws in their system or their list. Geelong, it's all there. Except for injuries, it's there. So I think they just need to just stay in it. I don't care how they win. They just need to win some games, stay around 500, stay around that kind of, stay in the pack. And then when you get Stewart back, when Hawkins kind of gets to that point where he feels like he's at 100%, get Jack Henry back, like get get them all back. And then boom, I think they'll just launch. You can't do that from two and four or two and six. Can't do that from a couple wins. You've got to really bank these in. Thankfully for them, they've got a really good run. So Gold Coast, I think, will be a tough game, but they'll win. And then they go ahead and they play Hawthorne, who they should absolutely thrash. So they've already got two wins in my eyes. West Coast, they look competitive, but ultimately, I mean, they're not the same level as Geelong. Um, and then they play Sydney. So Sydney will be tough um, for them. But like, if they go beat Gold Coast, beat the Hawks and beat West Coast, all of a sudden they're three and two. Maybe they lose to Sydney. They're three and three. They're in the pack. But I think it starts with beating Gold Coast. So a lot of pressure on that that game. But ultimately, I think that they'll, they'll come out on top. Lastly here as we get close to an hour for this episode, an episode I intended to be about 30, 40 minutes, but um, lots to talk about with these teams. So lastly, Fremantle. Tied with the Dogs for the most disappointing team so far this season, in my opinion. I think that they they might just edge out the Dogs because they actually won a final last season against the Dogs, funnily enough. Um, they're, they made the semifinal. They went deep into finals last year. And yet, this is where they're at. They just look lost, and they look boring. Um, I don't really know what's gone wrong for them, because again, kind of like Geelong, they've arguably gotten better. Now, I didn't really rate Fremantle that highly last season anyway, so I'm not that surprised in that I thought that I might see a bit of a drop-off. But just on paper, they've only improved. Like, I know Rory Lobb le- left, but I think a lot of Fremantle supporters would be happy that he left. Um, he's a bit of a uh, bit of a mixed bag. But you bring in Luke Jackson, you bring in Jaeger O'Meara, you've got stars there like Sarong and Brayshaw, still got Sean Darcy, Michael Walters, like, it's all there. And yet, they just don't seem to play with a lot of aggression. So I think that, that's something that's really lacking in their in their game. But I also think that they're they would be still frustrated with their lack of forward presence. Michael Walters is probably their best forward. That's not a great sign if you want to go deep into finals, if you want to like make a grand final. That's a real worry. 
Because Michael Walters is great, but your best forward should probably be a key forward in terms of what what stands the test of time. It's a guy that when the chips are down, you can bomb into the goal square and get a contested mark. I don't think Walters is that guy. He's a, he he he. He's really talented, but I think he needs support around him. I don't think he can win a game off his own boot like a Jeremy Cameron or like a Tom Lynch. Like these guys that are up there. It's like Tabner. Is he that great? Really? Luke Jackson's playing down forward. He's had like one mark. Like he, he's not having the impact that he would have hoped. Um, and I just go like Frederick. He's all right. Schultz, he's all right. Like, they've got a lot of all right forwards, but they just need one, which is probably why they're going to go for Aaron Norton once his contract goes up um, and why the Dogs will want to be successful this year because I feel like if the Dogs drop off, Norton being a WA native, he's going to go back to Frio. But that's the kind of player that Fremantle needs, a guy that you can just bang it down there and and rely on to mark the ball and set up scoring shots. Um, so I just don't think they have that. So I think that's really the key for Frio is they just need to be more fun to watch. They've got a great backline. They've got a great backline. Pierce, Ryan, and Cox adding Hayden Young to that mix. Like I really, really rate their backline. And their in their midfield actually is really good. Like you've got Brayshaw, Sarong, Brody, Jordan Clark's all right, Jago Mira. Like their midfield's really good. And then Sean Darcy and Luke Jackson is your ruck one-two punch. Really good. So then you go to your forward line. And you're like, ah, man, what are we kicking to? Where are we getting our scores from? So I think they just need to find a way to be a bit more aggressive with their ball movement and just be a bit dirtier. They just seem a bit, uh, just a bit scared of the contest a little bit from what I've seen from Fremantle. Um, but if they can just, so they can just turn up the intensity a bit, play the whole game like they did in the final quarter against North Melbourne. Because that sort of has been the the worry for me, um, watching them. So like against St Kilda, they just didn't look anywhere near competitive. And then the Saints just end up running them out. And again, scored 52 points. But kept St Kilda to 67. It's a great defense. Backline stopped scoring but they couldn't score themselves and then had the same issue against North Melbourne. Couldn't score, only scored 72 points and kept North to 73. You felt like if they could have just played the whole game with the aggression and the intensity of that final like five minutes, they'd probably win that game. So they, they just need to take that into the rest of the season, play more aggressively and figure something out up forward. Either grow organically and tab and take an extra step Luke Jackson, prove he's worth all the money they're paying him. Or if no one's going to step up through their own improvement, change things up. Like, I know Nat Fife didn't play. And he didn't ta- do great in his first game um, playing up forward. Maybe that's your answer. Maybe he's going to be your best forward. I don't know. you got to try something because you got to... <sighs> a great defense is important and arguably more important than a great forward line. But you cannot win with just a great backline. You still have to be able to put up high scores. And I don't know if Fremantle have the list to do it. Um, 
So I wonder if it's more of a structural thing. Maybe get the midfielders more involved. Maybe like, okay, maybe we can't score with our keys, but Brayshaw, Sarong, Amira, let's go in here and let let let's let's score ourselves. If it's not going to be our key forwards, how about we score? Become real damaging midfielders. And maybe that's I could see that being their their um their fix. It's like, okay, we're not going to necessarily rely on Tabana and Jackson to mark the ball and kick a bag. We're going to be dirty. We're going to be rough in the contest. We're just going to put on forward pressure and have our smalls and our and our mids create scoring opportunities. Um, it'll be interesting. And, you know, they played West Coast, who have a good defense, in my opinion. Um, and it's going to obviously be real competitive because it's, it's the derby. It's always competitive. Um, Fremantle would hope, given the hype coming into the season, they would want to be 0 3. Would be real tough, especially to give that up to their rivals, the West Coast, who would love nothing more than to put Fremantle in the grave and, and force them to do something. Uh, well, just to wrap all that up, th- these teams all have different aspirations, different expectations for themselves. But with the exception of Hawthorne, Hawthorne probably doesn't really care if they go in three. But everyone else, Footscray, Gold Coast, Adelaide, Geelong, Fremantle, all would be terrified of 0-3. They may not say it. They may say, no, no, we're we're staying level-headed and all that. And to an extent, they probably are. But deep down, 0-3 would put a real, wouldn't put the nail in the coffin, but it it would just, the, the, the nail starts aiming towards the coffin. It rests its tip on the wood, and it's ready to go in. At 0 and 3. It's not quite in, but it's <laughs> but it's just there. Um yeah, they're, 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 all, all these teams are in are in tough positions. Um and the sad thing is they can't all fix it. In that Fremantle can, Adelaide can, the dogs can, and Hawthorne can, but Geelong and Gold Coast, one of them can, but the other can't. One of them has to be 0 and 3. So the sad reality is, is that more than likely, in fact, we will have an 0-3 team, at least one by the end of the round, um, which will be a sad reality for these teams. Um, but I, I have faith in a lot of them. I have to wrap it up for each team. I think Hawthorne just need to keep pressing and stay in games longer and they'll They'll beat teams. Dogs need to clean up their skills. Just clean up the mental game. Just stay in the game. Remain cool and level-headed and execute the skills like you know you can. And I think they'll be back on top. Gold Coast, Ben King needs to stand up. And they just need to be better in the contest. Same for Adelaide. Forward line needs to step up. And they need to be more aggressive in the contest and not have it be a Rory Laird show. Geelong just needs to keep going. I think I don't think they need to do much. Just, 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 just brace for the waves while you wait for Stewart to come back and for guys to get healthy. And Frio, again, forward line. All those teams have 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 scoring issues, but Fremantle is probably the biggest one. They just need to score and figure out ways to score. Um, but we'll see by the end of the round. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode. A bit of a long one. 
going at an hour and eight minutes. Um, but all these teams have all sorts of different expectations and it was fun to chat about all their different um, possibilities and trying again to, to, to have a bit more of a, a positive angle on these teams. Cause I'm sure all they hear, the fans, all they're hearing is negativity about their team's chances, but I just wanted to provide realistic and honest, but ultimately optimistic um, views on, on their teams going into this round. Um, if you liked what you heard today, uh, make sure to follow the podcast on Spotify or, uh, you know, Apple music, wherever, wherever you get your podcasts from. Um, and like I said, at the top of the episode, if you want to follow markers up on social media, you can follow markers up at markers up, um, whichever platforms you like to use. Uh, and I'm looking into creating video content. Um, as you might be aware of, had some real issues last week with the AFL's copyright laws and rules. Very frustrating and very unclear what they allow and what they what they don't. Um, but I'm working through one of the claims at the moment. Hopefully, we'll get some clarification from the AFL and from YouTube soon. Um, but yeah, really looking forward to putting out some video content and some breakdowns. Um, I've got one plan for the Brisbane-Melbourne game, but it's really up to the AFL and whether or not they want independent content creators to create independent content. Um, but if you, if you, yeah, if you follow Marcus up on Twitter, I'll, I'll, I'll keep everyone updated. Um, regardless though, regardless about the video content, We'll be back next week with another podcast episode. Uh, Until then, enjoy the footy.